welcome back to the Word on Fire show. I'm Brandon Vaught, the Senior Publishing Director at Word on Fire. Bishop Barron is not with us. He's actually taking a few weeks off from the podcast during the month of July. But we didn't want to leave you hanging, so we got some great content over the next few weeks. Uh, We're going to be sharing more of the Bishop Barron Presents discussions. We've got, I think, three or four of those lined up here pretty soon. But today, that I received Jared Zimmerer. Jared is the director of the Word on Fire Institute, and it's usually me interviewing Bishop Barron on this podcast, but today we're going to turn the tables, and Jared is interviewing me about the recent book I released through Word on Fire. It's titled Return, How to Draw Your Child Back to the Church. It was published by Word on Fire earlier this year in 2021. And in this interview, we talk about some of the themes and advice and strategies inside this book. So if you have someone you love, whether a friend, a family member, a son or daughter, grandson, granddaughter, who has drifted away from God or who no longer associates with the Catholic Church, this is the book that you need. You can find out more about it at wordonfire.org return. I think we're still offering a deal where you can get the book for only $7, seven bucks. That's it. Good luck finding a price like that anywhere else. So pick up your copy today, wordonfire.org return. We'll sit back and enjoy this interview. Hey, everybody. I'm Jared Zimmer, the Senior Director of the Word on Fire Institute. And I'm really excited about today's conversation with my longtime friend and coworker, Brandon Vogt. Brandon, always good to be with you, man. Likewise, Jared. Excited to be here. So today we're going to be talking about the newest publication from coming out from Word on Fire, your book, Return, How to Draw Your Child Back to the Church. Um, so I've got a ton of questions for you, but maybe just to start off, where did the kind of impetus for this book come from? Where was the inspiration and the desire uh, to write this book come from? It was really the result of years and years of interacting with church leaders, with parents, with priests, and hearing the same motif over and over, which is, this is the most heartfelt, distressing problem in the church today. Um, I heard that secondhand through a lot of priests. They would tell me, in our parishes, number one thing we hear from parents and grandparents is the heartache of sons and daughters, grandchildren who no longer embrace the faith. Uh, But then personally, direct experience, you know, I I would travel around to conferences, giving talks on various subjects, and afterward there would inevitably be uh, Q&A. And regardless of the subject I was speaking about, there would always be a question of something to the effect of, you know, my child was raised Catholic, they went off to college, they no longer go to Mass, or they no longer believe in God. What do I do? It's heartbreaking, and I, I feel hopeless and despairing. So I realized after hearing all this that we got to do something about it. I I mean, here at Word on Fire, you know this, Jared, as well as anybody, the statistics are so harrowing when it comes to how many people were hemorrhaging from the church. But it wasn't until I had all these experiences that I put faces and real people to a lot of these statistics. You know, we're talking about millions and millions and millions of young people in our generation, so our millennial generation, the generation after us, Generation Z, who are leaving the church at extraordinary numbers. And I wanted to do something about that problem. I wanted to help parents and grandparents by not only giving them encouragement and hope, but a practical game plan based on years of this work and evangelization that I've done and at Word on Fire, practical skills and strategies to help draw these people back to the church. 
And I can certainly echo exactly what you just said of my, my years of, of traveling to different parishes and different conferences and retreats. Uh, the constant question is, my child has left, what do I do now? Um, and so you kind of already touched a little bit on some of the, the numbers, but maybe we can get into some of the more specific uh, statistics of, of how mm. big uh, is this problem? Yeah, so we actually have a ton of data on this. There's been a, a lot of surveys, a lot of research done into this problem of, of young people leaving the church. I'll share just a few of the ones that statistics that stick out to me. Um, so maybe the simplest and most distressing one is this, that of the millennial generation, so again, people that are in their 20s to 30s today, almost exactly half, 50.0%, according to Notre Dame, uh, of these kids who were raised in the church no longer identify as Catholic today. So th think about what that means. You know, over the last, say, 20 to 30 years, half of the kids that you've seen baptized in your own parish, half the kids you've seen confirmed, half the young people you've seen married in your parish no longer identify as Catholic today. To me, th that fact alone should be sounding every alarm bell in every corner of the church. You know, I think if the church was a, a, a secular business, we're not, of course, but if we were, and you know your director of sales and marketing came and said to the CEO, "Hey boss, you know just a minor problem. You know we've got lots of other things to worry about, but you know just wanted you to be aware that half of our customers have left. You know the boss wouldn't just say, well, you know let's let's get around to addressing that whenever we can. But we've got a lot of other things you know going on. I don't know if if we'll get to that this year or whatever. No, they they redirect all the energy and all the attention in the entire organization to that single problem and. My conviction is that's where we're at today. 50% of our young people have left the church. We got to do something about it. They also found, um, this was the Pew Research Group back in 2014, when they did their most recent national religious landscape survey. They do that every seven years. So actually they should be doing, we should be getting the results of the, the next seven year survey pretty soon. But this was back in 2014. So I imagine the problem has gotten even worse since then. But in 2014, they found that for every one person who comes into the Catholic church, not including births or baptisms. So these are just people that convert to Catholicism. For every one person that comes into the church, 6.45 leave. 6.45 drop their identification with the Catholic faith. Um, so, I mean, again, think what that means of, in your own parish. For every one person that walks in the front door of your parish, six and a half people are walking out the back door. Um, again, red alert mode, this is, you know, an extraordinary tragedy, an extraordinary problem that we need to address. Um, in the book, I, I highlight several more statistics about where these people are going when they leave the church, you know, what sorts of religious or non-religious views they're embracing, what do the demographics look like. I try to paint the landscape pretty broadly so that most parents or grandparents will be able to recognize, ah, okay, that's, that's my son, or that's my daughter, that's my, my grandchild. So the first whole section of the book is very diagnostic in that sense. And I think I'd like to get into uh, those, those particulars because I think one big question we consistently need to ask is why? Like, why are they leaving, mm -hmm. especially in the droves that they are? It's, it's not a trickle, it's uh, sort of like a flood. <laughs> uh, so yeah. the question is, is why? What, what are some of the findings you found? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that because a lot of times we assume we know why young people leave. You know, in fact, whenever I talk to parents or grandparents, I just like to ask them, well, you know, wh what do you attribute that to? Why do you think your son or daughter who was raised Catholic, sent through Catholic schools, no longer goes to mass or no longer believes in God? Why do you think that is? 
And many times the parents will just say, I either I don't know, or they'll say, well, I think they're just lazy. They don't want to go to church on Sundays or, you know, they're absorbed in work or, or family life and church kind of just fell out of, off their radar. And some of those things may be true for a lot of people, um, but what I found talking with hundreds of non-religious people, including many who have left the Catholic Church, is that the reasons they give for leaving are often surprising. And once again here, we have a lot of data on this. There's been a lot of surveys of former Catholics performed by major social science research groups. And so we have hard quantitative data on the major reasons why young people leave. And I'll share just a couple of the top ones. Um, depending on the survey, it changes here to there. But in almost every single one of them, the number one reason is some version of, I just slowly drifted away over time. Now, this is important because what it means is there wasn't one inciting incident that just set them off. It's not like they were happily attending Mass one Sunday, then something happened, and the next Sunday they were out. Um, usually what happens is a, a person attending Mass weekly as a child maybe goes off to college and stops attending weekly. Maybe it's sporadically. They come home for Easter and Christmas. They go maybe once or twice when they're at college. Um, but then after they graduate, maybe they get married or they start working, and that sporadic mass attendance sort of dwindles down to almost nothing. Their views start to be shaped by friends and, and other relatives that maybe aren't in line with the church. And over a period of several years, they their Catholic identity begins to diminish until maybe one day they realize, you know, I, I really don't even identify as Catholic anymore. Um, so it, it, for most people, I would say it happens slowly over time. And that's important to realize because um, it means that, number one, it could take a long time to draw them back in. If it was a long process for them to drift out, usually it's a long process to come back in. It, it's not like flipping a switch and then they're back in the pew with you every Sunday. So that's a good realization that we need to have patience because this can be a long process. But also it's encouraging because, again, there wasn't one major thing that set them off course, uh, which means that if you talk to them, and I've had this conversation with lots of people who slowly drifted away, if you could help them realize that there was no good reason for them to leave, they're much more likely to come back. You know, you can just ask them, well, is there really anything that's keeping you away? I know you, you kind of drifted away over time, but is there something still keeping you away? Why wouldn't you come back? And that can kind of get them thinking, you know what? Yeah, I don't have any reason not to attend Mass, and, and I'd like to come back. Um, again, I've had that conversation with, with several people. Um, so that's the number one reason people slowly drift away over time. Um, number two is they'll say some version of, I no longer believe what the church teaches. And you could interpret that how you want and, and figure out what particular teachings they're having trouble with. In my experience, the problems usually revolve around uh, belief in God. So maybe they no longer believe God exists or they think there's too much evil and suffering in the world. God probably doesn't exist or if he does, he doesn't interact with the world. Um, they don't believe the church's teachings around sexual morality. So particularly around issues of homosexuality, abortion, transgenderism, and contraception, that once they come to accept divergent views on those issues from the church, they have to make a choice. Either I go with the church or I leave. And for many of them, they leave. Um, there's also tension around issues of faith and science, as I know you know well through the Institute. We've done a lot of work on the faith and science problem. So uh, those tend to be the major reasons why people drift away. Although in the book, I, I do spend a lot of time on each of these reasons, but I also encourage parents, one key is to figure out why your particular child left. You know, it's helpful to get this general landscape of the surveys and why people leave in general, 
But what parents and grandparents and church leaders need to discern for any particular person is, why did this person leave? Each person's unique. Each person's an individual. To do that, you have to have conversations. And I coach people through that in the book. You have to ask them questions like, uh, you know, what, what made you drift away? Or, you know, what, what do you find most offensive or most problematic with the Catholic Church? And then you have to sit back and listen and take in the reasons that they give. Um, so again, I think, I think readers of the book will find that section helpful because you can't get to the prescription until you've got to the diagnosis. You have to figure out the problem, the reason why they've left before you can begin to draw them back. Do you think that part of it, um, I've seen several studies, uh, particularly thinking of the millennial uh, generation with this 50% attrition rate, um, there's a continued growth or a, I guess, maybe the opposite of growth, kind of a lack in desiring to associate with institutions. Um, and so if the church is presented as kind of an organizational structure or a ecumenical institution, as opposed to maybe a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you know, the, the access to the sacraments, things like that, um, do you think that that continues to be an, an issue, uh, particularly with the millennial generation? Yes, I don't think it, I know it. Uh, there's never been a higher distrust in institutions among young people than there is today. I mean, the surveys are pretty clear on that. There's always sort of a lingering uh, rebelliousness, anti-institutionalism among younger generations. We've seen that all the way through the early 20th century. Uh, but today it's particularly strong because a lot of young people today were raised in periods where institutions have failed them in dramatic ways. So think about, you know, the economy crashing in the in the early 2000s as many of these young people were graduating and expecting to find jobs, you know. Think of the sexual abuse revelations in the church over the last 20 years that have damaged our credibility to, uh, you know, an extravagant extent. Um, think of the distrust of, of government today and politics today. You know, most people are leery that anything good can be produced by major institutions. Think of the distrust of, of banks or uh, insurance companies or healthcare companies. You know, all, all these bedrock institutions that for centuries have provided basic services and foundation to society are, are now have this uh, dark fog of, of distrust over them for a lot of young people. So for an institutional church like the Catholic Church, that's hard for us. That's a hard sell to young people to say, you know, it, we don't want you just to come to know and love Jesus, as important as that is. That's the foundational thing, but we want you to experience all the gifts that Jesus wants to give you through his church. We want you to join the church and come back to the sacraments. Um, that's difficult. Now, I think what I found to be helpful is not to present the church as sort of this big faceless institution, but to draw people uh, back personalistically through an experience in the sacraments, through personal conversation. Um, I've always I've always advocated the key is to help somebody sh to help show them that Catholicism is true and good and beautiful, regardless of the institution. If Catholicism itself is true, and you want to align your life to the truth then become Catholic. You know, if it's good and you want to imitate the good, join the Catholic Church and follow its way of life. If you want to adore the beautiful, you know, come experience the beauty that's found inside the church. Of course, through our high arts and our low arts, but through the liturgy, through the sacraments, through all that. Um, so I think that's where the emphasis is placed because as you said, the institutional path is probably not gonna win many people back given the massive distrust around them. 
One question I have as well is, um, given that fact, and I think that's a really important insight uh, when I think of parishes or people who are desiring to bring people to their parish, um, how they present that relationship, um, particularly to even the building itself, the structure itself. Uh, so thinking about how we present that. But one question I have um, is in your findings or in your research, um, where are they going after they leave? What, what's the most draw that's taking them away? Good question. And again, we have lots of data on this. You know, that's what I like about um, this problem. It feels weird to say, say that, but um, unlike many other problems that plague the church, we have a massive amount of data on who is leaving, why they're leaving, where they're going. We don't have to play a guessing game here. We know. Um, so in the case of people who leave the church, about 50%, about half, end up in uh, a Protestant faith tradition. Usually that's an evangelical or a non-denominational tradition. Usually people who drift into those groups claim that they weren't being spiritually fed in the Catholic Church or that this new evangelical uh, group has better community, it's more welcoming, it's more warm, it's more vibrant. Many people drifting into these groups find that they just enjoy the Sunday experience more because it has more engaging sermons or better music or, you know, it's just a better overall atmosphere than what they experience at Mass. So about half people who leave the Catholic Church end up in some form of Protestantism, most of them evangelicalism. About 25% who leave end up as what we call unaffiliated, means meaning they no longer identify with any religious tradition. So within this group, you would have the so-called spiritual but not religious folks. You'd have atheists, you'd have agnostics, you'd have people with various degrees of interest or belief in God, but none of these people would identify with a particular tradition or religious institution. And then the last 25% is, is kind of a, a wide mix of people who drift into non-Christian faith. So, you know, some of them become uh, Jew Jewish or some of them become uh, Muslims. Um, some of them embrace Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, mainline Protestantism. Most of the people in this group, this last 25%, end up in a new religion, not because they've they've gone on a great search and have become convicted about a new faith, but they enter primarily through marriage. Um, so if they're marrying someone of a different religion and the, the couple decides, well, we got to pick one or the other, and it's the non-Catholic you know, spouse who, whose religion wins the day, and so the other spouse converts to that non-Catholic religion. Um, but that's a general breakdown. About half go to evangelical Protestantism or some form of non-denominational non Protestantism. 25% become unaffiliated, and then another 25% uh, of some other various religion. And of course, that uh, association with or the non-affiliation, because um, it's a, just a rising problem in the United States in, in general, and it seems like, unfortunately, the fallen away Catholics are adding to uh, that number. Um, and so uh, I'm glad you brought up the, the uh, mention of, of marriage, um, because one of the things that I consistently hear is, well, they'll, they'll come back for the sacraments. Mm -hmm. They'll come back whenever it's time to, to get married or to baptize their children. Um, but in my experience, that's actually not true. And in your book, you go through several myths of sort of the disaffiliated or uh, the children who have left the church. Uh, and I know that is one, is that there's this myth that they'll, they'll come back. Um, so what are maybe some of the other, other myths uh, that you've come to find? Yeah, on that myth, I know you would know it well, Jared, because you worked in marriage and family life in the parish before Word on Fire. And so, yeah, just if I could say one word about that myth, we got to get past this. Like, I, I don't, 
I, I'm increasingly skeptical that it was ever the case that that was a, an actual pattern that played out on a large national level that, yeah, normal. it's normal for young people to leave the faith when they're teenagers or when they're in college, but then the, once they get married, they want to come back and get married in the church, and then once they have kids, they want to bring their kids back to get baptized. I'm leery that that was ever a, a statistically significant pattern at the national level, but regardless of it, if it was in the past, it's certainly not the case today. Um, you can verify this anecdotally by going to any parish, you know, and seeing if if people are coming back at those two junctures. They're not. Um, but quantitatively, we just know this isn't the case. The two main reasons why are because people are waiting to get married later and later. So 50 years ago, the average age for a first marriage was 23 for a man and 20 for a woman. Today, it's 29 for a man and 26 for a woman. So that means an extra six years that people are waiting to get married, which means six years that they're uh, presumably away from the church, making it even more unlikely that they'll come back because they're drifting further and further and further away during those six years. Same thing with having kids. Couples are waiting longer and longer to have kids if they do have kids. Right now, we have the lowest recorded birth rate in American history. Um, the number of, of children that the average American woman is having is lower than ever before. So most women aren't even having many kids, if any kids, but then when they do, they're not bringing them to be baptized. So that lure or that juncture, that moment when we think will draw people back into the church just is no longer present. We can't count on marriage and baptism alone to draw people back to the church. Uh, but a couple more myths real, real, real briefly. So one myth, and I, I, this is more of just a, an emotional myth for a lot of parents, is I, I talk to parents and grandparents who come to me with tears in their eyes, racked with uh, guilt because they're convinced that it's all my fault. What did I do wrong? What should I have done better? It's all my fault that my child has left the church. And carrying that guilt around is is crushing. It's devastating um, to think that, you know, another soul has been placed in your care and that soul has drifted away. And how am I going to answer to God for that? Um, but what I like to try to remind parents of is that, yes, you know, as a parent, obviously, you know, you had some influence on the way your child was raised, some influence in what they think and what they believe. But every human being has free will, first of all. Everybody can make decisions on their own regardless of what you do. You could put your child in the best religious environment and they might still reject the faith for a period of time. And there's nothing you could have done differently about it to reverse that. Um, so free will. But then also, you know, as your child gets older, as they surround themselves with peers, and especially when they go off to college outside of your home, there are so many other factors at play other than just your own parenting skills. So the whole weight of this problem should not be placed on your shoulders as a parent or a grandparent. And the quicker you can escape from that guilt, the quicker you can shift gears to say, okay, you know, regardless of whose problem it was, who caused it, how much responsibility I bear, what can I do to become part of the solution? What can I do to start reversing this momentum and help drawing them back to the church? But just as a parent isn't fully responsible for them leaving, a parent's not going to be able to draw their kid back single-handedly either. So there, there's a certain humility that needs to be present to burst this myth that parents don't shoulder all the blame and they shouldn't shoulder all the responsibility for drawing them back. Um, so that's another myth that I expose in the book. 
And along with several other ones, which are very important um, as you're thinking about evangelizing those who have fallen away to consistently keep in mind that uh, sometimes we, we have a story or a narrative in our own head as to why people left. Um, but one thing that you pointed out earlier in our discussion is the necessity of actually asking the, the person because you'll find out that many of these myths or many of these ideas that, that we think are real are actually not what is actually happening in that individual's uh, soul or mind. Um, and in your book, you, you lay out a, a great kind of game plan uh, for people to think about whenever they want to reach back out to their fallen away children. Uh, maybe just provide a kind of a basic outline of what that plan looks like. Sure, sure. So, yeah, the book is kind of separated into a few sections. The first section is, <clears throat> excuse me, asking why are young people leaving? The, the second section is kind of where are they going? Where do they end up after they leave the church religiously, mentally, emotionally? But then the whole third section, which is the longest part of the book, it's the last two thirds, lays out this very detailed game plan of practical steps you can take to draw your child back to the church. Um, just to give a very brief overview of it, the, the very first step is to identify why they left. We hinted at this earlier. Until you can diagnose why they left, you're not going to make much progress in helping them overcome that stumbling block or that challenge. So you need to figure out why they left. And I share several discussion strategies for how to open up that type of conversation, good questions you should ask during that conversation, what to do if tensions, if tensions rise and blood boils, you know, how do you navigate hostile religious conversations, all that's in the book. Uh, but that's the first step is to figure out why they left. Next, I encourage parents to pray and fast for your child. And this isn't meant to be trite, as in, yeah, we start every meeting with prayer. We always have to mention prayer because it's a religious thing to do. No, I, I'm utterly convinced that there's nothing more you could do for your child than to pray and fast for them. I, I can't tell you how many personal stories I've heard from parents who say, I committed to praying a 53-day rosary for my child every day, praying the rosary every day for my child. Or, you know, for five years, my I've heard from people who have returned to the church, five years my grandma was praying for me every day. She prayed every day that I would come back to the church. And I don't know why I did or what prompted it, but that's the only thing I can think of is that it was through my grandma's prayers that I was drawn back to the church. I know you've heard stories like that too. Prayer works. Prayer works. It's the most effective tool in the spiritual arsenal. Same thing with fasting. Same thing with spiritual sacrifices. Um, I talk to people sometimes after a, uh, you know, a conference and they'll say, what, what should I do? My child's left the church. I said, pray for them. Are you praying for them every day? And they say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I pray for them, but like, what should I do? I said, no, prayer's doing something. Prayer is an action. Prayer is the thing you should be doing. And until you're doing that, don't worry about any of these other steps. So that's where we start, prayer and fasting. And again, lots of more, lots more on that in the book. Um, after that, you've identified the reason they've left. You started praying. You started fasting. You want to then start opening up conversations. And this is, for many parents, the most difficult part because they'll say, no, but you don't get it. My, my child, they don't want to hear about religion. You know, they, I don't even know how to start a conversation about it without it being awkward. I don't want to disrupt the relationship or ruin the relationship by pressing too hard. 
I get all that, and we cover all those points of resistance in the book as well. Um, but you have to start opening up small dialogues, not offensive, not argumentative, but the goal is to get religion and questions of God back on their radar. Because for many people who left the church, it's not that they're necessarily against Catholicism, it's just that it's no longer on their radar. They don't think about God, they don't think about the church, they don't think about religious things. So you have to start talking with them and get those things back on their radar. After that, um, you begin to hone in on the major reasons why they've left and provide them good reasons to cons to reconsider that decision. Um, this is where we get into the realm of apologetics. So if it's one of those sticking points I mentioned earlier, questions about God's existence or evil or one of the sexual moral issues, it's your job as a parent or a grandparent or a teacher or a priest to get up to speed on that issue, to know the objection inside and out, to know how to respond to it, to know the best and most convincing way to articulate the church's view. Um, so I provide a lot of guidance for that in the book. I, I highlight especially the top personal, moral, and um, religious objections to the Catholic faith and then help parents talk through each one of those. And then finally, we're, we're rushing ahead here. This whole process would take several months in many cases, but as you're sensing that your child is, is gaining uh, maybe a, a curiosity about returning to the church, you want to help, the, help them to take tangible steps to come back to the church. That could be getting back to Mass. Oftentimes it means connecting them with a good priest who can walk with them the rest of the way or get them to go to confession. Sometimes that might mean joining RCIA, depending on their early religious upbringing, but you don't want it just to become an infatuation with the church or, you know, an interest in maybe considering the church. You want them to to take the final step and come all the way back. Uh, so again, uh, in the book, I, I show you exactly how to do that based on lots and lots of, of young people I've worked with that have come back to the church. And I love especially the the section that goes through those different objections with the kind of personal objections, moral objections, and, and theological objections. And um, I, I especially like the that second step uh, because I think one of the things that I hear from parents all the time is a an anxiety or a, or a fear of having these conversations because they think that well my child won't want to be around me anymore. Um, and something that I tend to provide a little advice on is that, well, um, part of the process is, is, of course, it's probably 80% of the process is listening. And part of that listening process is find a common language. So whether it's music or movies or books or some other aspect that they're really interested in, maybe a hobby, participate in those things with them so that when these conversations happen, they know it's coming from a place of love. They know it's coming from a place of, of fellowship and, and common interest. Um, that it's not just, I want you to be Catholic because I want you to be Catholic. It's more of like, I genuinely want to know you as an individual. And to do that, it has to start in some kind of common language, common, common interest. Um, and so... Some of the things that we've talked about, of course, the statistics and all of these things that can get pretty harrowing. Uh, in your research, where are the kind of shining lights? What are, what are some things that are occurring uh, that are actually doing well in bringing uh, particularly young people or millennials back? Yeah, at the risk of tooting our own horn here at Word on Fire, I, I really believe Word on Fire is the shining example here. I, I don't know any other organization in the church um, that's done more to draw young people back to the faith, especially those who were baptized Catholic and then left and then later in life discover a Bishop Barron video or a Bishop Barron article. And that's the seed of them taking religion seriously again. And then they drift back. We, I mean, we've got folders here with hundreds and hundreds of, of stories telling that exact pattern. 
Um, I also have been encouraged by the surge of campus ministries. So some of those would include Focus, um, St. Paul's Outreach. Um, there's various Newman centers around the country. What I like is that they're going right into the belly of the beast. So we know statistically that the time when people leave the church uh, seems to be around high school to college age, although uh, some despairing recent studies have shown that the average age someone uh, no longer adopts the Catholic label is as low as 13 years old. So now we're talking middle schoolers who are suddenly distancing themselves from the church. But I think by and large, it's, it's high school, college age period when most kids are leaving. College makes total sense, right? They leave the home, they leave the security of mom and dad and their local parish, and they're thrust into this atmosphere where they're meeting non-Catholic kids from all over the world, professors who are by and large, you know, anti-religious. We know from surveys of college faculty that very few of them are religious, even fewer of them are Catholic. So they're, they're going to a very hostile atmosphere that does not embrace their Catholic values. And so it's no surprise why many young people leave the faith in college, but you have all these college campus ministries that are setting up shop right there, right in the middle of campus or right off the edge of campus. They're sending missionaries onto the campus to engage students in conversation and prayer and Bible study and sports. Um, and they have their own success stories by the thousands, you know, young people who had either left and came back or young people who were on the verge of leaving, but then got connected with the Catholic campus ministry and are now rock solid in their faith. So I think I think these are shining lights. Groups like Word on Fire, campus ministry groups, that's what gives me the most hope when it comes to this problem. That's wonderful. Well, I guess uh, just as kind of the, the last um, question here, any any last pieces of advice or an encouragement? Um, and then, of course, we'll, we'll finish off with where best to, to find the book itself. Yeah, I think one important thing to emphasize to all parents, grandparents, priests, teachers, is that there's nothing more important than the souls of your children. I think we believe this intellectually, but I'm not sure our lives align to that fact. You know, if, if you're a parent and your child has rejected God or rejected the faith, don't despair. Don't give up hope. Don't fall into the trap of guilt and self-blame. That's what the evil one wants. He wants to make you feel completely responsible and helpless. That's a lie. But at the same time, recognize there's no more important mission on earth than drawing my child back into a loving relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. It's more important than work. It's more important than any of your other side commitments. It's more important than, you know, your, your house or your hobbies or anything. This is where you should be devoting most of your time and energy. It's what God wants you to do on this earth is to lead your children to him. Um, so I think we, we all need to accept the gravity of that fact, and it's going to require a lot of sacrifice. It's going to require a lot of uncomfortable situations and conversations, but there's nothing more important than the soul of our the souls of our children, the souls of your children, if you're watching this. So that's the, the maybe the big takeaway I'd like to give people, but then maybe the secondary one is you don't have to do this alone. You don't have to do this alone. Um, I think this book will give you a lot of help because it's full of tips and advice that's been culled from lots of other parents who have successfully led their children back to the church. It features testimonies and stories from young people themselves who have come back to the church explaining what made them return. Um, and uh, with so many people reading this book together, especially through Word on Fire, you're going to find yourself connected to lots of other parents and grandparents who are on this same mission with you. So 
yes, this is the most important mission of your life, but no, you're not alone and you can do this together. That's wonderful. All right. Um, well, the best place, of course, to uh, find your book is wordonfire.org uh, forward slash return. So uh, anyone viewing this, please be sure, to, again, to go to wordonfire.org slash return. Uh, Brandon, always wonderful chatting with you. And thank you again for, for writing this book. I think it's going to be such a uh, special and, and unique way to help parents really think through how to bring their children back to the church. So thank you for the, all the hard work. Thanks, Jared. Good to be with you. Good to be with you. Thanks. All right. Well, everyone watching, thanks again, and God bless. Well, we hope you enjoyed that discussion between Jared and I about my new book, Return, How to Draw Your Child Back to the Church, which was recently published by Word on Fire. Again, you can pick up your copy of this book for only $7, 7 bucks. You can get it at wordonfire.org slash return. Get this book for yourself. Maybe get some extra copies for other parents or friends or fellow parishioners you know who also have loved ones who have left the church. This book gives you a comprehensive game plan, specific steps, proven strategies to lead anyone back to the church. Again, it's called Return, and you can get it at wordonfire.org return. Well, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week on the Word on Fire show.